In today's episode, we are going to be revisiting the topic of keeping the peace and what it actually means when we stay silent. Are you a Catholic wife grappling with challenging in-laws? The Catholic Wives Desiring Peace podcast is your sanctuary for navigating the sometimes stormy seas of life with in-laws while being validated for what you've experienced. Join me, your host, Miriam Susan, a Catholic wife who's weathered nearly three decades of in-law drama as we tackle the tough issues you're dealing with head on. Hi, Miriam Susan here, and today's episode, I'm going back to the topic of keeping the peace. I realized that it hasn't been that long ago that I did my previous episode about keeping the peace and rocking the boat. But I've just had several things come up this week that uh, I felt like added to that conversation. And so I wanted to do another episode because keeping the peace is, again, like I mentioned in the last episode, a way that our manipulative, our controlling, our sometimes toxic in-laws are able to control us. And I was watching... A recent Mel Robbins podcast, and she was talking to this expert, and her name is Dr. Thelma Bryant. And I have never heard of her before outside of this interview that she did with Mel Robbins, but she said something that made me stop, rewind, listen again, stop, rewind, and listen again. And she's talking about traumatic relationships, traumatic issues toxic relationships. And she said, I was taught that keeping quiet kept the peace until I realized whose peace is it keeping? I'm going to say that again, so you don't have to pause and go back. I was taught that keeping quiet kept the peace until I realized whose peace is it keeping? That, my friends, was mind-blowing to me. I've had traumatic things happen in my life, and I've kept quiet. I've kept quiet because I felt shame. I felt like nobody would believe me, or I felt like uh, because of certain things surrounding that trauma, that it was partly my fault, that I was partly to blame, And it wasn't till many, many years later that I spoke up and I realized that keeping silent really was keeping me in torment. Not speaking up and shedding some light on what is really happening to you, to your family, what has happened in the past, it does not keep your peace. It keeps the peace for the person who is the source of the problem. It is allowing whoever is the instigator, whoever is the controller, whoever is the manipulator, it's allowing them to have all the peace that they want and enabling them to continue in whatever patterns of behavior they did that caused the traumatic issue, whatever the event was, that has caused you to lose your peace. 
That statement was, like I said, it was mind-blowing. I shared it with my husband, and it was just such a huge aha moment that I had to come back to the podcast and talk about it a little bit more. I love listening to Mel Robbins. I don't appreciate her potty mouth, but she's just very real. And she really tells it to you like it is. And she has on so many different experts that really bring a lot of helpful information. And one of the most recent episodes that I was just listening to today was with Dr. Romani. And Dr. Romani is, I think, probably considered the world's expert on narcissism. And while you may not be dealing with a toxic family member who, by definition, has narcissistic personality disorder, they might have a narcissistic personality style. And just for reference, before I forget, I will put links to both of these episodes, the YouTube version in the show notes, so you can reference them and listen to them for yourself. But Dr. Romani was talking about how we can know that something's just not right. And I had talked about this in a previous podcast episode about the toxic signs of your in-laws. And she said, you know, when when something happens one time, that's just how it is. Sometimes things happen with people and it's just an accident. Just It's something that just happens. It's just life. If something happens two times, then it's probably just a coincidence. But when it happens three times and then four times and five times, but even just the three times, then you should have red flags going off, bells going off in your head, that this is a pattern. So when you are dealing with someone who has this narcissistic personality style or some kind of other disordered way of being, of relating to other people, you must realize that they can control their behavior. And one of the things that is very common in situations like ours, situations where you have toxic extended family members, is that we hear excuses that let their toxic behavior, let their manipulations, let their deceptions be excused away. And we must be very, very careful about letting that behavior get excused away. I thought an example would be helpful because we are able to understand things better when we hear stories. So this is not necessarily a true story, but just an example. So let's say you have a father-in-law who isn't feeling well. Maybe he's sick, maybe he has a terminal illness, whatever it may be, and he had a rough night's sleep. And when you go to visit... Your father-in-law goes off on your child for not eating what was given to him. Yes, your father-in-law was having a bad day. And everybody's allowed to have a bad day, right? But his behavior to go off on your child was still unacceptable. And we have to separate the backstory of he's not feeling well, he's sick, he had a rough night's sleep, 
from the behavior that is unacceptable. Another thing that we hear a lot of excuses over is, you know, just because someone had an abusive childhood or a traumatic event in their life, maybe they lost a child, maybe they had a bad marriage that failed, those things, while heartbreaking and just awful to know that somebody went through them, that does not give them a pass for current bad behavior. Let's say you have a mother-in-law who experienced very traumatic abuse in the home. Maybe she had traumatic events happen at school that really changed her life. Maybe she had a lot of loss through miscarriage, through whatever. That is her stuff that she has to deal with. But if she's treating you badly and pointing to her past, to whatever it was, as the excuse for why she's treating you that way, that's not right. And when we accept those excuses as valid, oh, well, I mean, he had a rough night's sleep, so you know, okay, we'll forgive him. There's a difference between forgiving somebody who had a bad day and enabling bad behavior. So if your father-in-law, back to this scenario, wasn't feeling well, had a rough night's sleep, was snappy at your child for not eating what was given to him, a healthy response from your father-in-law would be, gosh, I'm so sorry. I should not have snapped at him. I've had a rough night's sleep, but that's, but that's no excuse. I should not have treated him that way. That's a healthy response. An unhealthy response would be maybe you stand up and you say, you know what, please don't talk to him that way. He's never liked carrots. I, I don't expect him to eat carrots. It's not something new, but you don't have to yell at him that way. And if your father-in-law says, well, this is my house. These are my rules. This is how it's going to be. I'm not feeling well. And if I say he should eat his carrots and he should eat his carrots. Okay. That's not healthy. And when we just kind of step back, stay silent stay quiet to keep the peace, we're not keeping the peace. We're enabling the bad behavior. And our children, in this specific scenario, are the ones that pay the price, the ultimate price, because then they're taught that they can't not like something. They're not allowed to not like something if grandpa says that they're not allowed to not like it. So we have to separate the backstory of whatever events happened in whoever is the, the prickly person in your life from their current behavior. And I wanted to think of an example of Jesus because he is our ultimate role model, right? And just because the religious leaders of Jesus' time 
were trained and taught to think and act a certain way. You think about the Pharisees and the Sadducees and how legalistic they were and how they put more burdens on their people, their followers, than was right. You could say, well, that's all they knew. That's how they were trained. It's not their fault. That's what the leaders before them taught them. But Jesus didn't excuse how they acted. Jesus knew their backstory (laughs) of anybody. Jesus was the one who knew the whole story. He knew them from before they were even born. But he didn't excuse how they treated others. He called them out. He stood up and he said, no, this is not right. You're not following God's laws, God's teachings. So we know that we can't let somebody's backstory be an excuse for how they treat us. And oftentimes we might get into this mindset where we think that toxic people, they can't control how they are. That's just how they are. They can't change how they act. But I'm going to challenge you on that. From my own observations, my personal observations, I witnessed my toxic in-law put on their best face. They were super social. They were super caring. They were super giving. They were super, super guests at any kind of social event. If somebody needed help, they were there. If somebody needed this, they were there. Then we would drive home. And on the drive home, we would hear all about how so-and-so wasn't taking proper care of her children. Or so-and-so, did you see? He was flirting with another man's wife. And on and on and on. We would see this family member praise someone to their face who stayed at their home. My in-laws had a basement that was basically designed to host traveling missionaries or speakers or whatever. And we would witness the praise and the admiration fed to their guest, to their face, who was doing some kind of ministry at their church. But as soon as the guest left, we heard all about how dirty they left the sink in the basement kitchen, or how this guest left her sick kids for my sister-in-laws to watch while she went off and did her luncheon or whatever presentation at the church. When someone can put on a performance for the general public and then show a completely different side when they're with family, you have to understand that they can treat you nicely. They can treat you with kindness and love and respect, but when you're not as important to them as their public appearance, they treat you like you're disposable. And it is a very hard place to be a Catholic wife and see how our children 
and our husband are being treated as punching bags or are only quote unquote loved when they have something that this toxic family member needs. And once you realize what's going on, for me, it was almost like the scales fell off my eyes and I could see. And once you see it, you cannot unsee it. And I heard it described like this, that there's a saying that a man can never step into the same river twice because the water isn't the same. The water keeps flowing. It's different water molecules touching those stones through that spot in that river just in an instant, and then it's gone. So the water isn't the same, and the man isn't the same as he was the first time he stepped in the river. Each day of our lives changes us, even if it's just a little bit. So when we start to realize and observe the toxic patterns in our extended families, the person we once were, the doormat daughter-in-law, as I like to call her, that kept silent to keep the peace, who let her in-laws do whatever they want at the expense of her own family's desires and peace, once we realize and observe those patterns, we can't, we can't just go back to that doormat place. It's as if we used to be like a piece of a puzzle that fit into a very toxic puzzle. But now that we're different, now that we've seen, we've started to notice toxic patterns, it's as if our puzzle shape changed. And no matter how much our in-laws or our extended families want us to quote unquote reconcile, which often just means let's do a blank slate. Let's pretend like nothing happened and let's just go back as if nothing has happened and act like we're just one big happy family. If they want us to reconcile and go back to how things were, we can't. We can't go back and fit into that puzzle because we are a different shaped puzzle piece now. And this is why when I talk with my husband and he starts feeling a sense of guilt, but he's done nothing wrong, a sense of, of mourning, a sense of longing for a relationship with his brother again, or when he speaks to a family member on rare occasion that will actually reach out to him, when he starts to think about that, it feels very uncomfortable. And I was talking with him about this this week when I heard these revelatory sayings, these revelatory statements that I heard this week. And I think the reason it feels uncomfortable is that his family wants the old puzzle piece version of my husband. But that's not the person that exists anymore. That person is gone. My husband is now a puzzle piece that fits into a very different puzzle. It's not ever going to be back into his family's existing puzzle. 
What do you think? Does this resonate with you? Does it open your eyes any? I mean, it's it's a hard, hard place to be in to realize that the people that your husband probably deeply and truly loves. My husband deeply, truly, unconditionally loves his parents, loves his brother, loves his aunts and uncles, loves his cousins, loves his grandparents. But they want the version of him that was easily manipulated, more easily controlled, was more willing to go along with the family narrative, and he doesn't exist anymore. And there's a mourning that takes place. I didn't have this analogy to explain it years ago. It just is one that came to me that makes the most sense. But there really is a mourning process that happens when you realize that you're not that puzzle piece anymore. And the puzzle that they want you to fit in is not one that you want to be a part of. And it's often, to continue this analogy of the puzzle, it's often that you thought or your husband thought that his family was a certain kind of puzzle. Maybe it looked in your mind, you thought it was this scene, this beautiful scene of a of a green meadow with beautiful flowers and rolling hills and maybe a stream and some trees and maybe a deer or two. And then you start to see things and it's a totally different puzzle. It's a maze. It's twisted. It's briars and brambles and vines that are taking over a forest, just something totally different. And there's a mourning process that comes when our husbands realize that the people they thought their parents were are not the people that they really are. And in a way, my husband has has been mourning the loss of his parents and brother and extended family members that are very much still alive, but aren't the people that he thought they were. And it causes a sense of mourning, a sense of brokenness, a sense of heartache that I don't understand. And it's hard for me as his wife to sit and give him space to process what that means when I don't understand. I don't understand how he can be someone who loves, still loves, truly, genuinely, deeply, people who have hurt him so deeply, so badly. So, 
Let me go back to the quote that I started this episode with by Dr. Thelma Bryant. She said, I was taught that keeping quiet kept the peace until I realized whose peace is it keeping. And I want to challenge you to ask yourself and pose this question to your husband. If it's more comfortable for you to share this podcast episode with him, then please, by all means, do so. But to stop and think, whose peace am I keeping by keeping quiet, by not stepping into who God created you to be, who is not advocating for their children because maybe you're afraid of the reaction. And I will tell you this, that by not keeping the peace anymore, it can be very scary and it almost certainly with toxic people will have quote unquote consequences. Relationships will not be the same. They won't. Because when toxic people realize that they can't manipulate you anymore, that they can't control you anymore, they don't like it. (laughs) They don't like it. And you might end up like we did as the focus of a horrible, horrible smear campaign being slandered and talked bad about to anybody and everybody that they could get time to convince, have friends turned against you. But at the same time, as hard as that is, as hard as it is to have friends who you thought knew and understood you turn their backs on you and believe your toxic family members, as hard as that is, it is not anything compared to knowing that we are advocating for our marriage by not keeping the peace, that we are advocating for our children by not keeping the peace, that we are truly honoring God by being good spouses, good parents, that kind of peace cannot compare to the pseudo peace that you have when you're keeping quiet and allowing the toxic family members to get away with what they're doing. And I say all of this, and this past weekend was a very strange anniversary (laughs) for our family. We celebrated my son's, the anniversary of his baptism. Five years ago, he was baptized. He's the only one of our children that's been baptized in the Catholic Church because all the other kids were baptized in our Protestant church. And then his birthday was the next day. But on the day of our youngest son's baptism, It's also the five-year anniversary of my husband, specifically, sending a text to his parents telling them, please don't contact us. Five years. It's been five years since we tried to go no contact. (laughs) That's a whole nother ball of wax there. And, And anybody who tells you to just go no contact, to just do it, and makes it seem like it's 
easy, simple. They are deceiving you because it is absolutely not easy. It is not simple. It does allow healing, which is so important because you cannot heal from your injuries when you continue to be punched and stepped on as a doormat, right? You cannot heal a wound if you keep picking the scab off. And that's what happens when we don't change anything about our relationships with toxic people. Now, I'm not advocating that everybody should go no contact. That's a decision that you and your husband have to make prayerfully. It is a hard decision to make because, like I said, there are consequences when you stand up to toxic people. They don't like it. But in five years, I will say that the amount of healing that I have experienced physically has been tremendous. The amount of healing that my husband has experienced has been equally tremendous. And it's ongoing. It's not a one and done thing. Many things happen where a wound is opened up again, but it's not as deep each time. It gets less and less deep. And the grief is not as sharp as it used to be. But it's been, it's been a journey. And it's really what has been one of the reasons why I started the podcast because I want to be able to share the realities of having toxic family members, the realities of what it's like to come out of that situation and let you know that, no, it's not easy. It's not rainbows and unicorns. It's hard. But at the same time, Like I said, the healing that we've experienced, the strength that we have in our marriage now, the depth of our faith, my goodness, I can't even compare. The God that I knew five years ago was so small compared to the God that I know now. And learning so much about all the saints who will intercede for us and their lives and how Their sufferings have caused them to grow and to be saints. I can only hope that these trials that our family has endured are part of the journey towards our own sainthood. So that's it for today. Definitely a heavy topic. I don't know if I'll ever have any super light topics on this podcast. But again, I challenge you to think about whose peace are you keeping when you stay silent, when you don't speak up and step into who God is calling you to be? So until next time, God bless you. I am praying for you. Go in peace. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Catholic Wives Desiring Peace podcast. I have a free gift for you that I would love for you to get. It is my free scripts for toxic in-laws. It's a little PDF that you can use to 
give you some examples of how to speak to your in-laws about certain issues, I'd love to give it to you absolutely free. So if you head to desiringpeace.com forward slash gift, it will be there waiting for you. Just enter your name and email so you can start using it for inspiration on how to talk with your toxic in-laws. Again, thanks so much for tuning in. Go to desiringpeace.com forward slash gift to claim your gift now. Disclaimer. All content and information on this podcast and our website, including our programs, products, and or services, is for information and educational purposes only and does not constitute professional medical, psychiatric, or mental health advice of any kind and does not establish any kind of professional client relationship by your listening to this podcast or use of my website. A professional client relationship with you is only formed after we have expressly entered into a written agreement with you that you have signed, including our fee structure and other terms to work with you in a specific matter. Although we strive to provide accurate general information, the information presented here is not a substitute for any kind of professional advice, and you should not rely solely on this information. Always consult a professional in the area for your particular needs and circumstances prior to making any professional, medical, or mental health related decisions.